ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Is everyday exercise from going to the gym, the pool or yoga created with unconscious ableism? If you're living with a disability, how simple is it to exercise? Can you enter the gym, use the equipment? Is there a trainer who can help? Is the gym even staffed as we move towards more and more 24-hour gyms? What about swimming? Are you able to get in the pool? Are there appropriate change rooms? Yoga? Zumba. What are the advances that we're making? And not just from our collective conscious of being more inclusive, but what about the role of science and technologies so everyone can participate in anything, even rock climbing if you're an amputee? Good morning. I'm Rochelle Hunt, your co-host today, Mandy McCracken, a motivational speaker, writer, blogger. You would know her work with ABC Every Day and, of course, the creator of the podcast, Look Mum, No Hands. Mandy a warm welcome to the conversation. Good hour. morning. Thanks for having me on. Nice to see you, Rochelle. Oh no, nice to see you. After COVID, I don't feel like I haven't seen you since then. I since haven't then. changed a bit, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely not. Now, all of those activities that I just mentioned, from going to the gym, swimming, yoga, zumba, they are all activities that you have either tried to participate in mm-hmm. or have participated in. So what's the reality? As someone who is living with a disability, to just be it just to go about everyday exercise? Oh, there is no go about all day, everyday exercise. Um, I've found that living with a disability just puts a level of complexity on everything. So I used to be really active. I used to be a real lover of aerobics, um, which was great just to get that, uh, you know, anger and aggression that someone might have out um, was what I used to do. But now I've lost my hands and feet to sepsis. So jumping about in a yoga, um, in a aerobics room is not really an easy thing to do anymore. So I've tried all those things that you've mentioned. Um, Certainly swimming uh, has been good, but it's, it's hard work. I have to take care of with me now. Yeah. So I can't just throw the bathers on, jump in the car and go to the pool. I actually have to book somebody in advance couple of days with notice and, um, you know, getting me changed and into my bathers and taking off my prosthetic limbs and things is not an easy process. Yeah. So, And as a society, we're told more and more, and we'll go into this later in the program, but we're told as a part of our preventative health to exercise, to mm. stay fit and healthy, get out there and do something every day. And a lot of that language is used, I guess, with ableist language that just, you know, take the stairs or get off the tram two stops earlier in order to be able to do that everyday exercise. As you said, you have to plan in advance. Are we making some steps though? Like if you wanted to go to your local gym, how Mm. possible is that? Um. Well, it's always possible. You know, the gyms and things around the place always want to be welcoming and uh, they're not allowed to discriminate Mm. against people with disabilities anymore. But the reality of what that looks like when you arrive can be very different. Uh, You might find that even simple things like having an accessible change room uh, my local pool only in the last few years put in a adult change table. So that, that was a new thing. So we're working towards it, but I think today it'll really be interesting to chat to a few people and see mm. what's working out there, what's not working. But what I'd love to hear is what is working because it'd be fantastic if we could have these leisure centres Uh, local gyms, yoga instructors, anybody thinking about how would you include somebody with disability into your regular everyday classes and your regular programs and what that looks like. When you went to go to yoga, Mm -hmm. what was the reaction when you walked into that yoga studio? So I've actually been doing yoga for a while since I lost my hands and feet. Uh, It's a great exercise for an amputee. And I had a one-on-one yoga teacher come to me. She actually did a course on how to be a yoga teacher for an amputee. And so I was quite capable. And I thought, right, I, th- I think I've graduated from doing it at home. I can now go to a regular class. And unfortunately, I walked in the Dell that day and was confronted with the yoga teacher who actually knew me. And I said, right, I'm here for your class. And she just completely freaked out. And she's like, I can't have you in my class. I can't have you in my class. I don't know how to do this. I can't do it. And I said to her, 
don't worry, I've got this. I've been doing yoga for a while. Just sort of ignore me. I'll be in the corner. And she went into a complete panic. And really all I need to do a yoga class is a chair. If I've got a chair, I can get down onto the ground, back up off the ground. And if I've got somebody who comes with me that can help me pull my uh, prosthetics off and put them in the corner. That's all I need. Can you not be in the corner anymore, though? Can you be in the middle of the room? No, Or do you want to be in the corner because you can use walls? Walls help, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, doing a stand with standing on one leg, when you don't have a a natural ankle, it's out of the question. So a wall makes all the difference. A a chair. chair makes all the difference. And that's all I need to be able to do a regular yoga class. Once you did that class, or did you end up doing that class? No, no did I, I did. I gritted my teeth that day. It was really emotionally challenging, but I did do that class. Um, and I've been back a few times. Has that then changed? And I'm sorry you actually had to go mm. through that because that's, yeah, no, no one should have to. Did that then change, though? Has that yoga instructor now realised, okay, Mandy, no. Unfortunately, I try and steer clear of her classes. Okay. Yeah. Because they're the changes that need to be made, even if it's that recognition of, oh, all you need is a chair Mm. and you can do my class, then that is a huge change, not just for the instructor, but for the yoga participant like yourself who can then be a part of it. So these are the sort of things that we're talking about today. How do you think about inclusivity if it's yoga? You've done rock climbing. We're going to get into that Mm -hmm. a little later (laughs) as well. If it's... Zumba, if it's swimming, if you run a small gym, if you're a personal trainer, we are all encouraged and being told that we need to get active every day. So when it comes to getting active, do we look at it through ableist eyes and how can we change that? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host today, Mandy McCracken. You may know her from ABC Every Day or her podcast, Look Mum, No Hands. And we're talking about just access to everyday exercise if you are living with a disability. Andrea's in South Yarra and has given us a buzz. Good morning, Andrea. Oh, hi. Good morning, Rochelle. Thanks for having me this morning. Good morning. What did you want to say? Yes, I'm from Outdoors Victoria. At Outdoors Victoria, we advocate on support for uh, more Victorians to get active outdoors. So for over a year, we've been working along 20 plus organizations in the disability space to create a resource, which is especially targeted at all outdoor activity providers, outdoor education providers, tour operators, so that they can make uh, their services more inclusive for people uh, living with physical disabilities. Uh, to access outdoor recreational activities. So I just wanted to mention these resources publicly available at our website. So people can download it in www.outdoorsvictoria.org.au. Then people can go to project section and disability and inclusion in the outdoors. That's where uh, you can download this resource. And do you find that you need lots of financial support as well, Andrea, in order to have all of these extra things that you need to, to be truly inclusive? Definitely, the organizations do need a lot of financial support to like make bigger changes in the in their organizations and and fully um, change the way they are they are currently running their programs. But there are also many uh, different changes that don't require lots of uh, of funding or um, monetary resources. And you can also find them in this resource. Uh, there's, there's, uh, yeah, just a smaller thing that organizations can do. Yeah. Good on you. Great to hear you. Thanks so much for calling through. There's a text here, Mandy, from Ben, and it says, I take a boy with a disability swimming every week, and every time we go to the disability change rooms, it's always full of families. On one occasion, a father actually pushed past us and locked the the disability change room. Yeah, it happens a lot. Uh, What I would say to anyone out there, if you're able to use just the regular change room, please, please, please do it, because... There are people out there that just flatly can't and you you end up just waiting and waiting and waiting for hours and it, it just adds that level of complexity and gives, you know, people who are already struggling to get out the door 
to go and do exercise, it, it's another barrier. It's another reason why yeah. we stay at home. Well, there's another text here from Amanda in Pakenham who talks about actually towards the end just giving up because it got so hard in terms of there just only being stairs to be able to enter the gym and being told by her GP, and I'm paraphrasing Amanda, so apologies because it's a long text, but being told by her GP that she needs to exercise. And we all know, but if all of those barriers are put in front of you, let's look at gyms for the moment. And when we think about what an average gym looks like, how you get into the gym, all of the equipment that's there, the mirrors that are there, the classes that are offered. There is some work being done to ensure that they are more inclusive. And you've been working with some local gyms. What works? Like what's good? So when you enter a gym, what makes you feel welcome? Firstly, the staff. If you've got a really friendly, relaxed staff member there that when you arrive with your disability, at, or you know, be it visible or uh, invisible, mm-hmm. uh, that it's not a big deal. Like it's okay that you're there and they're, they're welcoming. And simple things like just changing the the pin on the weights. You know, it might be something as simple as that. Which, of course, I've got no hands. I can't do that. But I can easily do the equipment from then on in. So I just need a little bit of help every once in a while, and just to have somebody who's there to do that for you. And one thing I found, I found this fantastic gym in in inner city Melbourne, and they were running a program which we'll talk later in a minute uh, that is directed for people with mobility issues, and it was just a room full of people that all had their own thing going on. Like nobody there was just a regular able-bodied person, but we were just regular. People wanting to exercise. Disabilities, yeah. yeah. And uh, it didn't matter what the disability was. We just turned up with the support, bit of guidance, and I just worked around the room with all the equipment to work out what would work and what wouldn't. And, uh, you know, out of a room of, say, 20, 30 machines, I knew that I could only do 10. So I did those 10 and I just left the others, which was fine. But it meant that I could be included happily and I turned up each week, which was great. And it made a huge difference to my strength and mobility, which is vitally important. And then there's the the improvement that we have to our mental health when we exercise as well and how important that is. I mean, especially for someone like yourself, Mandy, who your disability you've had over, say, in the last 10 years, yep. last decade... It's something that you're learning to live with every day. There's something that's a, that you're learning, what can I do, what can't I do, how can I change, not just physically but emotionally as well. How important is exercise for that emotional strength? Oh, it's massive. And as um, Amanda's uh, text message just says, you know, the, the change um, to your mental um, condition because you probably end up putting weight on, you're already dealing with layers of um, mental issues anyway because you're trying to come to terms with your your disability and, and the challenges that that brings. So I found certainly way back in the day when I started aerobics, I did that when I first became a mum because I just had this sort of tension build up that I needed to release. So that hasn't changed. I've still got a lot of stress going on in life and having an outlet that you can just get in there Exercise and work up a sweat. for that. Absolutely. Get a little bit of that anger, that mongrel out. uh, And why I do body combat, you know, air punching. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sometimes you just got to. You got to grunt. You got to grunt. Sweat and, you know, get out that, get that heart rate out so you don't go home and take it out on the family. (laughs) Alison's in Ivanhoe. Hi, Alison. Oh, hi, Rochelle. Um, Yeah, just following on from what you're talking about with mental health there as well. Like, I was just ringing to say that. Um, I am the mother of a child with a disability and it's just not, exercise is just something that's not considered when planning therapies or talking to NDIS or anybody in that sphere of the importance. Um, And, you know, just as you were saying, you know, he put on weight in lockdown. He became very, the most deconditioned he's ever been in his life. His mental health was terrible and trying to fight to get him access back to being involved in sports and activities like every other kid his age. It's just such a significant battle to try and have him included. How old's your son, Alison? He is 12 and he just loves being active and moving, but he has intellectual disabilities as well as mental health. So he needs a lot of care and support to be able to participate. But what I have found is that when he is allowed to be active and participate, he is um, thrives much more mm. in his other therapies that he needs to do. But it's just, when you raise the conversation with NDIS or doctors or therapists, they're always like, oh, why do you need exercise? 
So what would help? Like, what's what would he like to do? What's a, a sport or exercise he would like to do, and how? What would help? It's just about having. Um, it's, a lot of spaces are built for young children. You know, up to preschoolers. There's a lot of gyms and movement centres. But once they hit that older age, there is just nothing available. Um, and there's, you know, no resources available for these preteens or younger um, adolescents. And, um, you know, he's, a, he's, you know, he's a tall, active boy. And um, and 12, yeah. you've got a lot of energy that you need to expel energy. as well. Hopefully some of the people, Alison, that we're about to speak with might help. So stay listening. So if you are living with a disability, you've got someone close to you in your life that is, can you participate in just everyday exercise? Where are we making advances? Where are we doing well? And where can we do better? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Michelle Hunt and Mandy McCracken with you. We're talking about just being able to... Get to everyday exercise if you are living with a disability. Where are good changes being made? Barry Elvish is from Oz Active. He's the CEO of the All Abilities Program there. Barry, you're working alongside many gyms in Victoria to be more inclusive. How do we go about that? What are some of the first steps? Look, it's been really interesting listening to this uh, conversation, Rochelle, and I, I'm very, very disappointed to hear uh, Mandy's uh, anecdotal story about the, the yoga therapist, etc. Unfortunately, what we're dealing with, I guess, in a way, is that um, people with disability can be, uh, if you're not used to them, uh, if you know, no, sorry, let me rephrase that, if you are not mentally attuned to how to, I guess, engage with those people can be quite confronting. And also, I guess I'd like to say at the start that let's not just classify disabilities as self-evident disabilities. I mean, every um, I have a mental health problems myself, which I started exercising and running four years ago. And we have to be very careful, we don't, I guess, categorise people and their abilities and come from a deficit type model. You know, this is what you can't do rather than what you can do. But to come back to your question, um, the gym sector, like every other sector in Australia, is going through a fairly rapid uh, I guess, transition of how we can actually be inclusive more. I mean, most of the personal trainers that I know and the members of Oz Active and the gyms that are members of Oz Active very much want to engage uh, with this community. I was also, I guess, disappointed to hear the previous callers talk about NDIS because we get very diverse opinions about NDIS. I know for a fact that some NDIS plans actually do fund a personal trainer to take the client into a, a gym facility or to work with that client outdoors or to work with that client on the beach, whatever is appropriate for that client. And obviously, it's mm. it's designed to um, suit that particular client. But we are on a learning curve. Uh, I used to go to a gym in, in Warrnambool in Victoria before I moved up to Sydney. And we used to have a lot of... My, my background's also disability as well, so I'm quite, uh, I guess, comfortable talking about this. But we had people come with autism into that gym what that manager did at that particular facility was talk to people that use that uh, particular room before they came in so that they, he said, look, this is what you can expect. Don't be challenged by it. Don't be threatened by it. And to cut a long story short, most of the uh, members of that particular gym actually adopted one of those uh, people with, with autism and they did the pin changes and things that Mandy was talking about before. It's just part of an educational process mm. realise that everyone has got the ability to exercise. Everyone should be exercising, by the way. And I've also visited a gym in Victoria, and it may be the one that Mandy was referring to uh, a minute ago. They run a program particularly for people with cerebral palsy. Mm. So the carers take them in. The personal trainers absolutely know how to how to work with those clients. And what these clients are achieving is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It is quite inspirational. So Barry, just if you yeah. had someone listening today who was running a gym or a, you know was a yoga teacher or anybody out there, what would be you know one or two things that they could actually change today that would make their spaces more inclusive? Okay. Well, the first thing they need to do, and this should be standard practice for any personal trainer is do a pre-exercise screening tool. Now that's for anybody, regardless of their ability or disability or whatever. And that gives the personal trainer an idea to actually understand what the desires of that potential client are, what the context of that client is, and what, what their abilities may be and where they want to go. What do they want to achieve? So the personal trainer needs to actually engage, not go there with a deficit model in mind, not go there with preconceived ideas, work with that client, find out exactly what they want. Mm. Now, for some personal trainers, that will be difficult. But if, they, if that's not the right personal trainer, then the client needs, you know, the personal disability needs to find someone else. In terms of the actual facility itself, 
we very much promote inclusion, diversity and equity as an industry association, and we would expect our members to do likewise. Uh, and I'm pleased to hear that when you ask Mandy, what is, what's the right thing about a gym? Make sure that when, when you go into a gym, you feel like you're being welcomed. Yeah. That's like a big part of it. And I wonder, some of it, of course, is mindset and just thinking differently. Oh. But then there's mindset, but then there's having the ability that, or the skill as well to be able to either adapt a class or to make sure that you're helping someone in a safe way. There's a text here that says, I'm an aerobics instructor and I had a person who was living with a disability in, in my class with a carer in a body attack class. Now, anyone that's done body attack, it's like old school aerobics, Mandy. It's, mm. you know, lots of high knee running and uh, kind of jumping around. The boxing class she normally did was cancelled. I didn't know how to accommodate her as I couldn't modify the moves for her. This may be because I don't have the knowledge. Uh, she could have also done just one of the arm lines, but it does require a lot of movement around the room. I wanted her in my class, but I just didn't know how. Maybe it was my lack of knowledge and education, and I've always felt bad about it. So that idea of wanting to, like this aerobics instructor, have that woman in her class but then, Barry, not really knowing or having the skill of how to change or accommodate for that person's disability. Where can we do better there for everyone? Well, Rochelle, I mean, that individual instructor is halfway there. She's acknowledged she doesn't have, or he or she's acknowledged they don't have the knowledge. So the next step is then to go and acquire that knowledge. And you can acquire that through numerous courses that are available uh, to help people understand. You can also acquire it by actually speaking to people you know, how can I work with you to be able to achieve what you want to do? So OzActive has just commissioned uh, three new training modules by uh, a company called WeFlex, which deals in the disability sector. They're developing three modules for our personal trainers that are available online free of charge to help people actually understand working with people with special needs. But um, I, I actually applaud that personal trainer actually mm. saying I didn't have the knowledge. It's too easy to say this is all too hard and walk away. I wonder if there could be some kind of basic symbol that could be applied to like the heart foundation tick right it's the only thing i can think of at the moment so that you know there is an inclusive gym or that there will be an instructor in there or there will be someone who will at least ask the questions or say to you mandy how can we help or you know you're in a safe space where you can say to someone could you change the pins on these weights for me please like some kind of obvious and I think also perhaps maybe, you know, as a person with disability, allowing the instructors the time because <laughs> I literally walked into that yoga class. She had no idea that I was coming and, and maybe it was my mistake of not going in beforehand and giving her the opportunity just to have a think about how we would um, make the class work. So, yeah, probably opening up some communication as well uh, from both sides would, would make a huge difference. Just finally, Barry, if people would like to find out more about the All Abilities programs or if they'd like access to it, how and maybe there's gym owners or personal trainers listening to this, how can they go about it? Uh, there's plenty of information available, Rochelle, on our website, ozactive.com. Uh, for where the services that are running it and how to get into it. And there is uh, programs that we can offer to gyms that want to get into the All Abilities program, which, is, which is, as it says, is obviously uh, aimed at all abilities. And, uh, Mandy, I would love if you could actually get my contact details after we've had this call. I would love to have a, a talk with you offline so that we can I can actually learn from you. Yeah, please. Do, uh, from an organisational point of view, because we're all in a learning curve here and we need to work together. Yeah, I would, it would be my absolute joy if I could say that um, every gym in Australia had even just thought about how to include people with disabilities. That would be brilliant. So, yes, we're on, Barry. We're going to have a chat. <laughs> how about if we take it one step further and you and I do a webinar and we'll actually talk it through? Oh, wow. Oh, okay. All right, now we're getting serious. <laughs> Barry, good on you. Thanks so much. Barry Elvish, she's from Oz Active, is the CEO. And as Barry just said, Mandy, and you and I spoke about this off air, we are all on a learning curve and it's about admitting that, isn't it? Admitting we don't know and we need to ask questions. And even if it's you asking the question of the gym or if it's me as the instructor saying, how can I help? Yep. And I think even as a person with disability, I'm still learning. We're all still learning. And um, yeah, we all just have to be a bit respectful about where everyone's at. Greg's in Bell Park. Good morning. Well, good morning, Rochelle. Now, I'm going to mention a, um, a facility that I heard the name was first mentioned by Cameron Ling, our uh, revered Geelong <laughs> yes. Premiership captain, <laughs> and he was talking with his normal tips 
with I think it was with uh, Virginia. I can't remember. It was about four years ago, and he mentioned a facility called Kiser K I E S E R, mm-hmm. and I'd never heard of it before. And it, it's not like a gym. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles, and the, you don't have to wear a leotard and have mirrors <laughs> and music. There's and no J- Jane Fonda-ness about it. No, nothing I haven't like heard that. of it. So it's Ki- Kaiser, did you say? K- K-I-E-S-E-R. They pronounce it Kaiser. Kaiser. And uh, all the, mach- the machinery's all static and all your exercises are passive. I've got ataxia in my lower limbs and a couple of other things, old war injuries or whatever. And I have a physio with me at all times. He moves, or He changes the... Um, the weights as they vary and they go up and down by a couple of pounds depending on your, you know, how do you feel today and okay, and good. the, re- and you the found regimen that good? of oh the regimen of exercise is is um, fluid depending on how your body is on the day. Yeah, but and that's it, so true because you have to listen to your body as well, don't you? No matter what sort of form of exercise you're doing, that's a really good tip, Greg. Thank you, Melissa's in Terrelgan. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning. What did you want to say? Um, I well, I'm I'm disabled. I've got. I'm also I'm autistic, and I've actually found that exercise makes everything worse. Really? Oh. In what way? Uh, well, I was bullied in PE at school, so a lot of probably has to do with that. But also, um, I've been to gyms and had personal trainers yell at me and push me to actually do damage to my body. Mm. But also, often the exercise afterwards leaves me not being able to walk for a day or two. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, I've seen people like exercise physiologists and they just don't give me anything that I can do other than saying, do something you enjoy. And I'm going, but I can't because I also I have a condition where I can't get my heart rate up too high. And they don't seem to understand that. <laughs> so it actually makes things worse. Have you tried anything that's not just regular old exercise, like, you know, going dancing or um, playing basketball or tennis or something like that? Dancing gets my heart rate up too high. It's also sensory overload. Mm -hmm. Um, Same with a lot of other sports. I also have very bad hand-eye coordination and I think it's called perioperception where... I can't catch a ball. It sounds like you need to find the right support person for you too, Melissa, that can help you find the activity that you need that works with you and that you have someone that is there to guide you through it. And a lot of it, it is going to be trial and error as well. I'm sorry that you didn't have a good experience, Melissa. Thank you for calling. Sean's in Brunswick. Good morning. Oh, hello. It's, um, yeah, Sean. Um I just want to share my experience with my local gym. Um, it's it's brilliantly set up. I've got a disability. I'm on a mobility scooter, um, so I can I can get to the gym um, or to the pool at least um, by myself. Um, I'm usually there at five thirty in the morning, and it's it's fabulous. You you sort of you go there, and it's black, and the, the moon's out, and and then by the time you get home, it's the sun's rising. Um, the um, the process of getting into the pool mm. for me, I've got MS, and um, that's fairly straightforward. I can I can do that. It's it's always a bit tricky when you go from the scooter to the water wheelchair. Um, the the only problem I really have with the gym, and it's a constant. Um, is that the water wheelchair is either, you know, the front wheel's broken. I was going to say, don't broken. tell me it's not broken. <laughs> oh, Guaranteed. <yeah. laughs> um, but I did I did actually ring Virginia Triol, and um, um, she had the mayor of the local council on, and uh, I explained this, saying, well, why don't you have two wheel- water wheelchairs? Um, I've been a member of that particular gym for 30 years, um, and I'm sure I've paid for it three Multiple times. Multiple times, exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, um, they know you're coming, don't they? You're there yes. regularly. Like, this should be yes. a regular thing that Sean's on his way. So has somebody yes. got the wheelchair and checked that it's ready? Absolutely. Exactly. It's just that basic and, access. And as you say, Sean, you pay, well, not only the council fees for local area, but you pay your gym membership as well. Has yes. it been fixed, Sean? 
Um, it has been fixed. It was fantastic. It's like that one phone call, and all of a sudden there's, there, there's a brand new water wheelchair, and there's the old one, which is always broken, but at least that's a backup. Um, mm. So that that's worked out really well. Um, and um, the the other problem is I, was, I did have a gym membership for ages, um, and I, I realised that I used to go there on a regular basis, but there's only like two machines I can use, mm. and same thing. Usually, it's the two machines that are under repair or or whatever. Um, I did I do have a, a regular physio, and years ago we used to meet at the gym and then um, use you know the the two machines I could use. And then would improvise with if I had to. Yeah, well, but then you're going to need someone there with you to improvise as well. Sean, I'm so glad that you sort of advocated for yourself and, you know, asked for that either second chair to be put in. I'm wondering here, Mandy, what role do other just gym participants, you know, if I'm at the gym beside you, sometimes people are worried, should I ask if she needs help or will that seem insulting? You know, people get concerned about what the right thing to do is. So for other people that are hanging out at the gym, what can we do? Oh, look, the first thing you can do is just say, you know, do you need a hand? Do you need a hand? Or, you know, just shout out if you do need a hand. Just knowing that there's somebody in the room that's happy to to help you fix something up or move something around. I'm here. Yeah, that's all it needs to be. Um, And then just step away. And I think people with disabilities are very good for asking for help if they need it. Um, because you don't want to get hounded by somebody hovering over you either. Yeah, so that's the last thing you want. You've got to be a anyway, bit careful around that's that. That's the thing. And I, I would hate that people wouldn't ask you if you needed help because they were worried about that at the same time, but it's finding that line. Lots of people texting in ideas for Melissa. So, Melissa, if you're still listening, people are talking about how there are heaps of really good low-intensity exercises that you can look up, and I know you can even just find many of those on YouTube, suggesting maybe that you could try Tai Chi or swimming. Some people saying maybe going for a walk as well but lots of sort of good low intensity exercises and those options that are available yes as we said on youtube rochelle hunt and mandy mccracken with you we're talking about access to everyday exercise if you live with a disability where are we doing well and where can we do better on abc radio melbourne and victoria this is the conversation hour Rochelle Hunt and Mandy McCracken with you. You may have read some of Mandy's pieces on ABC every day or listened to her podcast, Look Mum, No Hands. We're talking about just access to exercise if you are living with a disability. Where do you participate? Where can we make sure that you feel welcome and that you have the equipment and that you have access to doing a class or wherever it may be? one three hundred triple two seven seven four. 774 You can text 0437-774-774. Katie Kelly is an Order of Australia. She is one of Australia's most distinguished para-triathletes. But since retiring from being an athlete, her focus has been on Sport Access, and she has created Sport Access Foundation. Katie, a warm welcome to the Conversation Hour. You are so passionate about ensuring that anyone who wants to be able to exercise can. Mandy and I have sort of just touched on, I guess, today that we just need to think about access for everyone more. What, Where can we do better and where are we doing well, do you think? Uh, good morning. Thank you. Yes, um... I think the thing we need to consider is that when you have a disability like the caller before, we have to consider what um, our options are. And I think many of us take for granted that we have two legs, two arms, and we can walk to the local pool and uh, we can go to the local gym, etc. Um, so I would challenge people to think about you know, their biases in terms of action actual access to facilities that we all take for granted. And a good example I can give you is one of our recipients uh, named Jameson. Can you still hear me there? Yes, we can. Yeah, sorry. Um, and she lives 300 kilometres west of Sydney, so in a, in a small country town, and she uses a chair. And for somebody like that in a small country town, what are her options? And for her, Bokchia was the sport that she could participate in. So she would have to travel 300 kilometres with her mum to be able to access and participate in that sport. So it just gives you a sense of access to sport 
is often limited. And what we really need to focus on is our local sporting communities working closely with council to improve their inclusion for the whole community. Um, so that's the starting point. And Katie, what is it that these local groups or local sporting clubs could actually do just to make a little bit of a difference? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's one of your um, uh, guests mentioned it before, lots of great resources. One that I could point to is Disability Sport Australia. So they're running these fantastic programs called uh, Disability Access Champion. And it's really great um, modules you can go on and it's free. And it's for, you know, volunteers and coaches at that grassroots level of things they need to consider. And it could be anything around, obviously, equip equipment, but also mostly, Rochelle, it's around language mm. and how do we welcome a parent that calls and says, look, I've got a child with cerebral palsy. That first call they make to the club is so crucial. The response of that club to say, yeah, we can, you know, we can work with you. We need to understand what support your child needs, etc." So those sorts of resources are fantastic because everyone's time poor and the grassroots volunteers are fantastic with what they do, but they do need more support, education and training. And I think it's also really important for our state sporting bodies like the Swimming Victorias and the Athletics Victorias, etc., to ensure that they are also implementing inclusive programs across their clubs across the state. And Katie, you're a Paralympian, so you've you've done sport for years. From a pers- personal perspective, you know, someone living with disability, what's the conversation they need to have with themselves about getting into the, into exercise and sport? Yeah. When you say have the, like the person with disability to have with themselves, yeah, like I know a lot, this takes a lot of courage, you know, to get out the door and just try something for the first time. There's a lot of internal dialogue that goes on before you even try something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's relative to anyone. If, if we're not, uh, we don't have literacy in phys- physical exercise, absolutely. And I guess a good example of that is my personal trainer, she's physio qualified. She has a man who is deaf that she's training and she's actually learning Auslan. Um, and he has very limited physical literacy about using a gym. He's never had anybody in a gym to talk him through how to use machines and, and correct technique. Um, and that does require a lot of courage. I think, as we know, we all need good support around us to reach out and talk to friends and family. But also, there's wonderful organisations, for example, Deaf Sports Australia, Blind Sports Australia, Sport Inclusion Australia, Special Olympics Australia. Um, we have eight or nine national sporting bodies that focus on disability uh, participation. And I would encourage... Um, people to help those people to reach out mm. to those national sporting bodies to and I know find Vision Australia do some incredible tandem bike riding. So if you want to do long distance bike riding, or you want to ride down Beach Road, or you want to be one of those packs, you know, on a Saturday or Sunday morning, they do some incredible work. Casey Kelly, stay with us because I want to have a quick chat to Duke, who's called from McLeod. Good morning, Duke. Oh, good morning. How are you? Well, uh, what did you want to I, say? I, I, I just love this program. Well. Uh, um, I'm a I'm in a wheelchair. I'm disabled. I'm a paraplegic, and in 2009 I had a motorcycle accident. That's when it all started for me. And so uh, in 2015 I decided, hey, I've got to do something about my exercise regime because I was sort of like going to the gym and I was going to a YMCA gym in Northcote and they closed out. So I decided that, okay, I've got to take a role here and actually managing it as like a team member and getting people to assist me. And so I got a physiotherapist that was prepared to do it. And then so then I went to a gym. Can I mention the gym I go to? If it's a good story, sure. Why not? Well, I found a gym because I live in... uh, at that stage in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to find a gym and there was one at um, called Watermark, which was run by the council. But I went to the gym to do on a discovery or two of what equipment I could use in my wheelchair. And I found it was a really well supplied gym for equipment for able-bodied people. And so I said to them, what equipment can I do? And I needed to, I thought I need at least four pieces of equipment that I could use while positioned in my wheelchair. And they said, okay, we'll make sure that we've got that. So 
I got a, my physiotherapist came with me and said, okay, I want you to do this on this piece of equipment, which is like a hand hand machine. Mm-hmm. Then there was another one, like a rowing machine, but still in my wheelchair, and two various forms of rowing machines, and then another one, which is a pull-down machine. So, Duke, and what amazes me about you doing this is it's, it took you six years to get there. Correct. And so I felt, hey, I've got to do something and take the initiative. And what happens is that I just made made sure people knew that that's what I wanted. And a lot of people probably aren't in that space. But How did it help with your mental health? Because we were talking a lot about just getting man to, you know, just getting that courage, having that internal dialogue, getting out there, especially if you have put on weight or you've lost confidence. How did it help you just feel afterwards, Duke? Well, it felt that as if I was taking responsibility, but I actually went a step further, and that was I said I've got to take up a sport, and I wanted one that was going to allow me to participate with other family members. And so I found out that I was able to go to Preston uh, Council, and they had a place where I could go and play power badminton. And so I thought, this is amazing. I can actually participate. So then I took, I got the resources available to me to get a, a wheelchair that was uh, enabled me to play because my day chair would flip over when I tried to do uh-huh. it. So they made a wheelchair that was sport. And then I just kept on working at it, working at it. And then in 2017, um, I decided to start up a club, which was the uh, uh, Victorian Para. Uh, um, ability Power Badminton Club, oh. which worked at MSAC. And then what happens is I found, and this is along the mental side of it, and that is I had a sense of belonging and yeah. other people wanted to join because they found that there was nothing that they could involve no matter what disability you have, you know. Um, I just um, think that's incredible. And I feel like Duke, I know you, if you want something done, give Duke a buzz. And he's <laughs> you gonna... can hear the passion in his voice. Like, this has been life changing for you, Duke. Congratulations on everything you've done. That's massive. Absolutely. Just finally, Katie Kelly. Katie has an Order of Australia. You may know her from one of the many medals she's received in uh, the Paralympics as a triathlete. Katie, how much of it just comes down to, like with Duke, being able to call that local gym and them saying, Come in and we will work something out. Yeah, and good on you. Duke's story is fantastic. and uh, it, But it shows the process that he had to, to go through to get to that end product. And I think the key there was the support from the people around him, that everybody was saying yes rather than, oh, it's too hard or we can't do this. And it's about finding solutions because it's not a one-fits-all. And so, for example, the gym that I go to, I take my guide dog with me, um, We've, we've got a spot where Guffrey goes. I have people to guide me around the gym if I don't have my personal trainer. People are familiar with me and are aware of it. And so it's just that um, it's about creating that safe space for people to feel okay with what their challenges are and there will be people to help them along the way. Just, just finally, does there need to be more support, more funding in order for gyms to be able to do this? Because it's probably easier said than done. You can have a really good attitude, but if you've just got one person that works on the door and no one really on the floor to help people out. And to only two pieces of equipment that wheelchair users can use. Yeah. You can't just magically get the funding for all of those things, Katie, can you? No, that's right. I mean, I guess... Um um, not all services cater for for everyone, and that can make a challenging person with disability. We have to travel further to find that right facility or, or gym. But I would say perhaps they're missing out on a wonderful, um, you know, on ensuring that the, the whole community can yeah. participate in that gym. So, yeah, um, but obviously, if it's a if it's a local sporting club, etc., there's often, you know, as you know, grants etc. available through council, but. Um, and what an we amazing often, space you're creating as yeah. well if you have people from all backgrounds and all walks of life that can be a part of your gym and walk out feeling better and, and happier can, and healthier. You can hear from Duke's voice like the, the difference that it's made yeah. in his life. Um, he's gone from obviously having a, a massive life change to now he's found his joy and his purpose. And he's helping others. Yeah, Katie, as you are as well, thanks so much for the time and the work that you do. 
Thank you. That's Katie Kelly, as we said, one of Australia's most distinguished para-athletes. Let's have a chat to Chris. Chris has been waiting patiently. Good morning, Chris. You're on Takuma. Uh, hello, Rochelle and Mandy. Um, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, and, um, yeah, look, I work at a facility, uh, I assume I'm allowed to say names here, but uh, for Maroon de Leisure, we have um, Aquanation and Aqua Hub in Ringwood and Croydon, and we are quite specific about making it very accessible for people of all abilities. Um, right down to the point where we've got elevators in the gym, uh, we have people coming with their carers quite frequently, people coming with support dogs and the like as well. But also I've been working with uh, a client since, well, for about nine months who's an above-the-knee amputee, and I'm so disappointed to hear someone having a personal trainer yell at them for a start uh, that's that's not the approach you should take in a one-on-one situation. And second of all, there's other things about people going to these group classes as well. These these classes, I don't think, uh, are geared towards people with disabilities in particular, uh, things like body attack and the like, where you've got uh, an instructor with 30, 40 people in there. It's quite loud. People are moving very quickly. And the instructor isn't out on the floor. I don't think that's, that's so, the right environment. So, Chris, you're a personal trainer. Are you saying that people would be better off trying, well, possibly starting just with a, a one-on-one situation? Yeah, I think absolutely. When it comes to at least an introduction to the gym, it depends on their level of ability. Uh, like the, the client I work with is is amazing. Like he is, um, he was previously a PE teacher. He's still a, a, a school principal. But he, at least with him, when I started working with him, uh, my approach was, I don't really want to think about the disability such. I want to think about what abilities we have that we can enhance. Mm. Uh, I think that's the the approach to take. Um, and we we work through various different things. And he's also very communicative. So I'll, one question I always ask any client is, how did that feel? I want them to talk to me about what was happening during the movement. And, and for him, he was able to be quite articulate about what was happening because uh, you, you don't really know. Every amputee is different uh, <laughs> in terms of, of how the, the muscles are being reattached and so on. And how much so, of us is left. And Chris, um, did you actually see much of a difference in, in your client's um, frame of mind from when they first start with you as to, like, like say, six months down the track? Oh, look, we, we were actually featured in, um, in the newsletter there and also for the, the Board of Council um, because Michael... Um, has made some amazing progress. So uh, he went from not being able to, you know, having difficulty with running and using the running prosthetic to being able to do that. But what we worked towards was a, an exercise called the Turkish get-up, which is actually a really difficult exercise even for able-bodied people to to um, execute. And um, the way we went about it was that question I asked, how did it feel, is about proprioception, understanding where the limb is, where the muscle is, but more I wanted to understand how we could integrate the prosthetic into the movement that we were using. And it's also, I mean, it's a huge credit to you, Chris, as a personal trainer to skill yourself in that way and to be able to dedicate so much of of your working life to understanding the needs of that particular individual. So hats off to you as well. I've had a yoga teacher that's gone and done a full how to train teacher amputee yoga course. Um, She did it online out of America. So there's, there's the information is out there if you want to go and find it. Kelsey Chapman is a research fellow and she's also created the Dignity Project and Inclusive Futures. And Kelsey, you've been looking a lot at even just the language that we use around inclusivity and preventative health. We're told a lot now for our future, whether it be for heart disease or obesity, to take the stairs, to get off the tram a couple of stops earlier. Language, when you think about it, is full of ableism. Yes, absolutely. And I think language is one of the most important things that inform how we build our society, like how accessible is a building, but also how inclusive it is. And um, in terms of preventive health messaging, as you said, it's like, can you take the stairs, make healthy eating choices? Well, some people with disability are deciding between food and what specialists to go to or medication and having a gym membership. So we're talking about the social determinants of health, not just 
exercise here. And I think there's lots of ways that you can um, re redress healthy living, but the messages have to be inclusive for people with disability. And Kelsey, one thing I've really noticed is you've got a choice. The two choices in anything exercise is either just able-bodied regular exercise or the seniors class. There's sort of nothing in the middle. Yes, and I think one of the things some of the previous callers have said is that, you know, they're it's not the right environment or maybe we should pursue these separated classes. And I don't think segregated environments are the answer. I think the first answer is just asking the diverse people who come into your class or into your facility, like, what do you need to be supported? I know lots of people with disability who actually don't need anything from you. They just want to come and take your class. They don't need you to worry about them. They can manage themselves. Um, and there might be people who do want a different approach. So I think it's just really that person-centered mm -hmm. approach, which helps deconstruct some of that ableism. And it's not just gyms as well. I was reading this incredible story about the work being done in Greece to make their aim is to try and make all of their beaches inclusive for wheelchair users. And I'm not just talking about a strip on the sand. There's even equipment that will get your chair into the water so you can swim and get back out. They've already converted 200 of their beaches. I think we could probably count on two hands, Kelsey, the amount of beaches that are fully accessible here in Victoria and we have some of the best beaches in the world. Yes, and I think this all comes down to equity and it's and it's redistributing how we look at experiences that are for people with disability and for the rest of us. And that's that disableism, discrimination against people with disability. And if we just take a bit of effort like Greece, they've, it's just about prioritizing that. Yeah. So they've set that as a priority that there's equity in all experiences and they've done it. And I think we could certainly be doing it. The, the government's spending multi-millions of dollars on preventive health, $300 million uh, on preventive health and there's very little reference to people with disabilities. Yeah, so that I, preventative that measures have to be inclusive themselves. Kelsey, thank you so much. People can look at some of the work that you do. It's called The Dignity Project. Kelsey Chapman, thanks so much for your time. Mandy McCracken, I feel like we just touched the surface oh, today. Yes. But it's been good to just hear people say and have the courage, either able-bodied people or people living with a disability, to have the courage to ask the questions, what can I do differently? And it's been really interesting. We've had callers in that have really struggled through to callers that are succeeding, you know, in, in going in great directions uh, and, and making a massive impact. And, and I think if we're all a bit kind to ourselves yeah. and just think that, yes, okay, this is going to take us some time and effort for everyone able-bodied and disabled but you know we are all working in the right direction at least and i like the idea of even if you're just at the gym and you see someone who was living with a disability at the gym you don't have to hover just simply say i'm here if you need me here if you need like in netball here, here if, if you need, need. <laughs> mandy mccracken you can listen to her podcast look mum no hands you can get that from i the listen the abc i listen app there we go and you can also read plenty of your work on abc every day Thank you so much. You want to come back and hang out another time? I'd love to. This has been great fun. Mandy McCracken. My name's Rochelle Hunt. Have yourself a wonderful and safe weekend. Coming up on Monday, we're looking at how we try and protect kids from advertising, whether it be sport, gambling or, uh, or uh, alcohol at your local sporting event. So that's coming up on Monday. As I said, have a wonderful and safe weekend. If you want to download the Conversation Hour, go to the ABC Listen app and subscribe. Take Okay, speak Monday.